Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. If we have not met, my name is Ali and uh, you guys are in for a treat tonight. Uh, you guys could be seated, don't worry. You guys can be seated. Now I gotta share you, with you a secret. I, and I'm, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm brown. And every brown pastor in America, and we know all the other brown pastors, okay? And so I'm, I may be the color of peanut butter. Today's pastor is the color of Nutella, and I love it. And can we just give it up for Pastor Pradeepin Jiva? Come on. Uh, we, have, we actually met at a conference. I'm not sure if you remember, but my wife and I, we went to, oh, two weeks before we started Center Set, there, we're, we're both part of an association called ARC, Association of Related Churches, and just charismatic churches that align theologically. And they had this panel of pastors, and I didn't know anyone on the stage. And then my wife and I were like, who's the brown guy up there? <laughs> And this guy preached the house down in Las Vegas. And from that moment, I've been reaching out. And we, we talk once, once a month, maybe. Yeah. And uh, I, lit- I do learn from this guy a lot. He encourages me a lot. COVID was hard for both of us. Yes. City of Seattle, where we planted church. He literally planted church two weeks before we did. Right. So we're both four years old. Uh, he's my older brother, even though I'm four years yeah. older than him. <laughs> but uh, let me just pray for him, because I think he's got a word for us in our relationship series. Uh, it's going to be, who's loving this series right now? Let me pray for you. I know you're going to crush it, bro. Uh, God, thank you so much for Pastor Pradeepin. Uh, thank God for him and his wife planning a church in what many sociologists say is the most atheist church in America. God, he's changing that culture, that city. He's, he's bringing the gospel to them, God. He is making known the, the beauty of Jesus to a city that doesn't believe you, doesn't love you, doesn't know you. I pray a blessing over him, his wife, his children, and their church. God, we just believe by faith that just as the rain goes forth and comes back and produces crops, your word, Lord, tonight is going to go forth and not return void. You're going to use him, God, to change us. You're going to use him to speak to us. We open up our hearts. We open up our notebooks, God. We're ready to learn, hear from you, learn from you. Speak to us, Lord, for your servant is listening. We just pray for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give him a center set welcome? Come on. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you all. It's such an honor to be here. My name is, as we heard earlier, it's Pradeep Njiva Nohar in Sivarednam. But you can call me Pradeep Njiva for short. Please follow me on Instagram just for my insecurity. And uh, I, I feel like this is my church, honestly. I, I pray for you weekly. I think of you almost daily. I'm I'm feeling for all the trials and the triumphs that you've experienced. I'm hearing crazy baptism stories and salvations, and I watch your sermons online. And so I, I, can I just be an honorary member of this church? And uh, I think today is, uh, it's a special Sunday. I don't know if you know this, but this is the last day that this church exists as it exists. Is that right? Am I allowed to say that? Because Center Set will be no longer, and so they wanted me to end it. <laughs> and next week, a relaunch as a bold church, amen? And uh, 
I'm so excited. That is a bold move. Bold is gold. And I, I believe that favor follows the bold. Opportunity follows the bold. And God is doing some amazing things here. And I, I love your team. I love your pastors here. My wife was actually in town this weekend. We went for a simple dinner. It ended up being like five and a half hours. Just connecting, loving on one another, encouraging one another. I love your team. My wife actually officiated the uh, your brother's right wedding in Seattle, and so she preached in Seattle this morning. I'm here, and we are just honored. You can see my kids. I got a, I got a three-year-old daughter named Nala, and I have a six-year-old son named Obi. They also give their love, and they pray for you and think of you often as well. So I'm excited to get into the Word. Amen? We're in a series called Happier Than Ever. Some may rebrand this browner than ever, because I'm preaching. I'll leave that up to you. But this summer, my wife and I, we are celebrating 10 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. And in those 10 years, I'm thankful by the grace of God to say, we have only had one fight. It's been the same fight. That's lasted 10 years, but there's only been one. And I want to I wanna read a scripture from Matthew 19, really giving us some of the first words of marriage. Matthew 19, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So then, there are no longer two, but one flesh. Everybody say, one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody boldly said, amen, amen. Anybody here easily offended? Anybody here offended that I asked that question publicly? I want to talk about offense and conflict. If you are in a relationship, you are going to have conflict. And all the married people said... If you are in a relationship, you're going to have disagreements. You're not always going to see eye to eye, but I believe that we are called to walk hand in hand, nonetheless. And so today, I want to preach a message called, How to Win Arguments with Your Wife. <laughs> Who needs to hear this message? Come on. I, I'm excited about this. And I, I believe something. I believe that your conflict and how you deal with conflict, it reveals your emotional health. And your emotional health reveals your spiritual health. You cannot be spiritually healthy if you are not emotionally healthy. And how you deal with conflict, how you deal with arguments and disagreements, how you deal when you don't see eye to eye, it reveals a lot about who you are. The bottom line of my message today is this. If you are not right with people, you are not right with God. If you're not right with your spouse, if you're not right with your fiance, if you're not right with your boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're not right with your family, if you're not with, right with your friends, you're not right with God. Some of you are skeptical. Well, I didn't create the behavior of my family. Well, I was given a crappy family. Well, if you don't believe me, let me read the word of God, and you can disagree with that. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. 
For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Matthew 5, if you enter your place of worship and you're about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. What do you do? Abandon your offering. It says abandon your offering, so make sure you give your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and then make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Matthew 6.15, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Who wants to be forgiven by God? Well, then you got to forgive others. 1 Peter 3.7, I kind of hate this verse. In a similar way, you husbands must live with your wives in an understanding manner as with a most delicate partner. Honor them as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing may interfere with your prayers. What? My wife and the conflict I have with her can interfere with my prayers to God? That is a dangerous power. And all the wives said, amen. And so if you're not right with God, it might be because you're not right with people. Your conflict reveals your emotions. And your emotional health reveals your spiritual health. Because here's the reality. It is easy to worship God in a church service. It is easy to look super holy and fancy. How many of you in the house of God got in a fight on the way to the house of God? You got it? Can we be honest here? How many of you are pretty confident you're going to get on in an argument on the way home tonight? I see that hand. I see some very honest hands. It's easy to have relational peace and health when you're, you're worshiping and your hands are lifted in the air and you have to look good in front of others. But how many of you know when you get home and you find out that your spouse has been watching that Netflix show without you, there's about to be a fight. That's cheating. That is cheating. I used to work at Outback Steakhouse. Anybody with me? I was a server there. I was the worst one ever. And uh, I would hate working on Sundays because the people of God would go to church service. They would be singing, you turn, you know, graves into gardens. And they go into a heart of garden and turn my life into a grave. It was just a really bad situation. They would worship, come into the Outback Steakhouse, and then they would just belittle me and be mean to me. You'd see them get in fights with one another. They would leave a $100 bill, which just turned out to be a Bible verse. People do not give their lives to the Lord with that. Please do not do that. Tip well in the name of Jesus. Amen? And you just see, they, they worship, and then they berate. They pray, and then they argue. And this is not how it should be for the followers of Jesus. This is not how it should be for the followers of Jesus. You know, my, my wife and I, we really are going to be married 10 years this summer. And our friendship, our dating life, our engagement life, our current marriage life, it has a lot of arguments. I am a pastor. I'm a preacher. And I still get with, in fights with my spouse. Anybody with me? It's just a part, a part of life. Uh, I mean, even from the origin of our relationship, I remember when we first started dating, uh, she said, hey, I, wa- I want you to read this book. And I was like, who's this book by? And she said, well, it's by my ex-boyfriend. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cuss right now. Like, you want me to read a book written by your former lover? 
And you know what? I read the book. <laughs> and it's an amazing story. He was born in the nation of Burkina Faso, which at the time was one of the poorest nations on earth. He was abandoned by his family at the age of three. He was taken in by strangers. Then he gave his life to the Lord, and this was not in a faith that really wanted that, so they tried to kill him three times. He escaped and hooked up with some missionaries who taught him English and gave him a full-ride scholarship for a college in Ohio. And then he overcame the challenge of death, the challenge of changing his faith, the challenge of going to a different nation. He got his master in business, overcame all of those obstacles, and then got dumped by my wife. (laughs) Glory to God. I'm not bitter. But we would argue over the dumbest things, the most profound things all the time. And my, my question for you today is, how do you respond to conflicts? How do you respond when you are offended? How do you respond when you get in a, a fight with your spouse, with someone you're in a friendship with? How do you respond when you get in a fight with your family? Because I know we got people in all sorts of relationships here, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships. But this applies to all of us, because I've noticed as a pastor, a lot of us are either skunks or we're turtles. Let me explain. Some of us are, are skunks, where when you're in a conflict, when you don't see eye to eye, you rage and spray evil on the person you're in a fight with. Where are my skunks at? Okay, you guys are timid. I know that's not how you are at home. You guys, aren't, you guys are ragers at home, in the car. You guys are giving me this timid, I'm a skunk. That's like a, psst, no. At home, you're like a, it's all out, okay? Where are my skunks at? Point out the skunks if they're not raising their hands. You rage, you spray. Okay, some of us are turtles. I'm actually a turtle. I like to withdraw into my safe little shell of solitude. I don't want to get in a fight. I'll compromise. Everything's okay. Everything's peaceful. Let me just be dismissive and avoidant. Let me just binge watch the show. I need to have me time because I don't want to talk about the difficult issues. I'm a turtle. Where are my turtles at? Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed this truth? I've seen this a lot. Skunks marry turtles. (laughs) Can I get a good amen? amen? Why does that happen? Skunks marry turtles. This is how many of us are dealing with conflicts and we're getting in fight after fight and our fight. And it's like, why do I become a seven-year-old whenever I'm facing conflict? Why do I, I'm, I'm, I'm chronologically this age, maybe I'm 40, but when I get in a fight, I'm just a scared 10-year-old in my turtle shell. When, I, when, I, when I'm angry, I become a 13-year-old, my body's changing and I'm raging, Right? <laughs> What is going on here? And I I think that's because our conflict skills reveal what's going on in our heart and our spirits. It's all linked. We are whole integrated beings. And so are you an emotional infant? Do you look for others to take care of you emotionally? Are you an emotional child? Are you content and happy as long as you receive what you want? Are you an emotional adolescent? You keep score of what people give so that you can ask something Later, 
Are you an emotional adult? Are you able to ask for what you need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, honestly? Can you recognize, manage, and take responsibility for your own thoughts and feelings? And you might realize you're not the same age with everyone. With my mom, for some reason, I become an eight-year-old when I become angry. And with others, when I'm in pastor mode, I'm like a 70-year-old. I'm a wise sage. And it changes from relationship to relationship. So how, how would the Bible have us handle biblical conflict? Point number one. I just want to challenge you with this. Whether you hurt someone or someone hurt you, Jesus says initiate making things right. The ball is in your court. This is the total opposite of what our culture would say. When someone's mad at you, what do you do? You ghost them. You leave them on red. You avoid the issue. You bring up their faults if they know they have something against you. You are not initiating problem-solving or conflict reconciliation and resolution. You're avoiding the issues. And Jesus has some strong words for this. You know, we read a scripture earlier about what do you do when you know someone has a grudge against you and you're about to worship. And in this day, people would go in Israel to go worship at a physical temple in Jerusalem. And not everybody lived in Jerusalem. So imagine this before I read the scripture. You have traveled for several days to go to the temple to worship. You made travel arrangements for all of your kids. You got your house in order. You had someone to take care of your succulents. You make all of these arrangements. You're walking for days. You finally get to Jerusalem. You find a place to stay. You get to the temple and you realize, oh my goodness, I, I don't have the right money. So I have to go to the, the money changers that Jesus talks about. All right, I've been waiting in line. There's thousands of people here. Finally, I have the right currency. I need to buy an animal for the animal sacrifice so I can worship in this Jewish way. So you wait in another line. You finally get your animal. Then you have to wait in another line. You go to the priest. Hey, I want to worship. Would you take this animal sacrifice so that I can worship you in the way that we do in the temple? So finally, he's about to sacrifice as worship. And then you realize something. Oh my goodness. My friend is mad that I called them a jerk. They're holding a grudge against me. What does Jesus say to do in that situation? Let's read Matthew 5 again. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. That sounds inconvenient, doesn't it? Well, guess what? Following Jesus is inconvenient. <laughs> Having a relationship is inconvenient. If you want a convenient life, do not follow Jesus. Do not get married. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, great. All right, that's only if they have a problem with me. If I have a problem with someone else, then I can avoid the problem. Not so fast. Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. We are called to confront one another in love. Confrontation comes from the Latin word that means face to face. I am going to get in your face because I love you. I am going to initiate solving the problem because I love you. Jesus says if you have a relational issue, worship can wait. 
Go, settle the matter, and then work things out with God. But what do we do in the American church? When we have a breakup, we have to switch churches. When we don't want to see someone because the pastor didn't look at me right or this person looked at me wrong, we have to like not work things out. We just have to go find another place to worship. So we do the opposite of what Jesus says. We don't settle the matter. We just find a different way to worship. When he's saying don't worship, settle the matter. Have the confrontation. Work things out. When it comes to healing a relationship, the responsibility is always yours. We don't want to hear that because we're a victim culture. But the ball is in your court. The responsibility of taking the initiative, whether you are hurt or whether you hurt someone, the initiative belongs to you. I want to challenge you to make the call, set up the conversation, set up the confrontation. I remember uh, I was living in Korea and my, my wife and I, we moved there, and there's this girl that moved over there with us. And for some reason, she treated my four foot ten wife really in a mean manner. And she's so cute. How could you ever do that? But she did and kept on getting competitive with her and saying mean things about her and dismissing her. And this went on for almost a year. And I was like, Amritha, this is not how a friendship works. This is not okay. You need to confront her. She's like, well, I don't want to make it worse. I don't want to blow things up. And I said, honey, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to have this biblical confrontation. She's like, are you spiritually manipulating me? I was like, yes, I am. So in her own volition and prayer life, she had the conversation. And I was like, all right, you got to talk to this girl, and you just tell her all the things you hate about her. You just get it. Don't let it fester. Just have a confrontation. Tell her you hope she dies and burns in hell. Amrita's, my wife's like, I don't feel that way. I was like, you just say it. Just say it. It's provocative. Just say it. <laughs> and, and I even pulled out my laptop, and I played Eye of the Tiger on her way to this confrontation. I'm like, you're going to slap her in the face. She's like, no, that's not what I want to do. I'm like, just do it. And she goes, they have a mediator. They have this confrontation. Amritha shares it all. She shares it all. And Amritha says, I, I don't think we should be friends anymore. We can be acquaintances. And you want, you want to know what happened? All the tension in that relationship left. And it was okay, honestly, until now, to the point where they want to be friends. But it was just like one hard conversation. Let out all the festering. Let out all the hot air. And they were able to see each other face to face. Some of you need to have that conversation. You're passive-aggressive. You're in your turtle shell. You're just spraying and being mean, and you're not actually working on the issue. Well, that is not what Jesus wants you to do. Can I get a good amen? Have a real conversation. Number two, it's hard to work on yourself if you spend most of your time correcting others. Matthew 7 says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. It's in moments like this we remember that Jesus was a Jewish carpenter, because this is Jewish carpentry humor. So he's in a crowd and he's like, hey, when you're in a fight, <laughs> when you're in a <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a fight, it's like you have a lock in your, your eye, and you're saying there's a speck. 
<laughs> that other person's eye. All right, if we were in a Jewish carpentry guild, you guys would be rolling on the floor. <laughs> laugh, it would have been a revival of laughter in here. But you got, that's not your, your, your flow, I get it. But he, he, he's saying something that it, it, it's easy to call out the faults of others and not work on ourselves. You know, there, there was this week, I think it was like three weeks ago, I was confronting my wife, and I was like, hey, why are you buying so many things on Amazon? Stop it. What are you doing? She's buying like little purchases. She's like, I just wanted it. I'm like, stop it. That's not okay. And then, so we pulled up our, 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 our list, and she goes, wait a minute. Did you just buy your 10th jean jacket? I'm like, you shut your mouth. You know I need those. <laughs> you know I need those for ministry. <laughs> She's like, you need to take the log out of your own eye. <laughs> you know, Jesus is challenging us to, you know, work on ourselves. It's so easy to find the faults in others. And here, here's the reality. We want people to judge us by our heart, but we judge other people by their actions. Right? When we are wronged, when, we, we, when we're wronged, we want mercy. Right? Or when we do wrong, we want mercy. But when we're wronged, we want justice. And, and that's the reality for us. We like to point fingers at everybody, but you've probably heard it. When you're pointing one finger, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. And there's a reason the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. Because you need to listen. Well, it's, it's kind of true. <laughs> Let me just ask you this question. Who, who here is in a relationship? Just raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. What would happen if the next time you got in a fight, you started off like this? Before you say one more, I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of it. Before you say one, listen, can I get a word in? Can I talk? Can I talk? Before you say one more thing, can I just say this? From the beginning of this conversation, I've used the wrong tone, text, and timing. I am completely in the wrong. I didn't speak to you right. I was disrespectful. I ambushed you. I know you weren't ready to talk about this. You had a hard week, and I'm just so sorry. All right, now can we talk? Has anybody here ever started a fight like that? No. No, you haven't, Lars. But if you did, oh, my goodness. Can you imagine how much lower the tension would be? This person really loves me. This person isn't just attacking me. They're wanting to work on the issue. And Jesus says, hey, take the log out of your own eye. Maybe next time you confront someone, start by identifying all the real things you did wrong. And not, not this dumb thing, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. What does that even mean? I'm sorry you interpreted the words that came out of my mouth in that manner. That is just a prideful phrase to give you the false appearance of humility. Amen? I feel like you aren't amening enough. We like to judge people by their actions, but we want them to judge us by our intentions. And so we, we need to change. This is what we're called to do. We're called to work on ourselves. You know, two years ago, I had one of the most painful mental breakdowns of my whole life. My son was diagnosed with autism about four years ago. We had a daughter. Girls with autism, or girls don't get autism as much. And so we thought, 
all right, this is a chance to have a, a child who can talk with us. This is a chance to have a child who makes eye contact with us. Because our, our son is nonverbal. He, he lost skills. He lost the ability to walk for a while, lost the ability to play catch. And we, we thought we were reliving this trauma with our daughter. And uh, it was so scary. And we saw some of the same signs in her. And then she got the official diagnosis from the doctors. Your, your, your children, all of your children, your future, they all have autism. They may never speak. You might have to reprioritize all of your dreams and your goals. They might never be independent and live on their own. Those are the kind of words we're dealing with. And I, I, I just had a, a mental breakdown. And I'm going to be honest. The first thing I did was I, I started to lash out at my wife. I said, hey, honey, this is not good. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't want to be a father anymore. I don't want to be your husband anymore. These are the ways I'm disappointed in you, my children, and your family. I deserve better. I want a fresh start. And I just started to tear down everything, tear down my family. Everybody was wrong but me. Everybody was doing poorly but me. And I just was isolating myself. I started off skunk, and then I became turtle, just withdrawing into my shell. It's honestly the most painful experience ever had to speak to the board of our church, and I said, I don't know if I, I can pastor this church anymore, and if you want to fire me, I, I think you, you should consider it. And they began to consider that and pray for that. But one of the things that happened is they signed me up for trauma therapy because in the journey of church planting, we endured so much. You know, right before we launched the church, my wife's father suddenly passed away, and then my, my wife got dengue fever in India, uh, was on a hospital bed for three months, went blind over there, two divorces in my immediate family. Then my son was diagnosed with autism, and my daughter was diagnosed with autism. I just didn't know how, how much of this can I endure. But I started going to this trauma therapist, and she just helped me to identify the, the coping mechanisms of my childhood, the ways I, I, I learned how to deal with my own pain because I was neglected as a child, how I like to be avoidant and dismissive, how I like to hold everybody out here so nobody can really truly hurt me again, how I'd hide behind humor and jokes and how I would instinctively just tear people down preemptively so they couldn't tear me down. And I was doing that to my family. And my trauma therapist, and I want to let you know, I'm still in trauma therapy two times a week. I'm in personal therapy, and I'm in marriage therapy with my wife every single week. But in those sessions, she's spirit-filled, Christian, but she would help me to identify what's going on in my mind and in my heart, how I'm coping, how I'm just trying to survive, how there's been ways of responding that have been wired into my brain and my body and my heart, and I'm just defaulting. She's like, Pradeep, and if you could just learn how to not be entitled, to just work on yourself, to stop lashing out on your family, I believe that the Lord could do something really beautiful in your heart. And I want to let you know, there's light in my heart again as I've focused on me and invited the Holy Spirit into my life, instead of just saying, hey, kids, I wish you were different. Hey, wife, I wish you were different. I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, would you change my heart? Holy Spirit, would you take the log out of my eye? I need you to change me. 
A lot of us right now are just praying, Lord, would you change my spouse? But would you spend more time praying for you to change? For your heart to change? And I believe that the Lord might do something beautiful in that. And some practical advice I want to share. When you're dealing with conflict, number three, I want you in your fights, in your arguments, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. In arguments with your partner, it doesn't matter who won if you don't stay won. It's not me versus you. It's us against the problem. And sometimes we just need to reiterate that. In a fight, hey, this fight is not really a fight. It's a learning lab. I'm learning what makes you passionate. I'm learning what makes you upset. I'm learning what bothers you. I'm learning how I can grow. This fight isn't a fight against you. It's us against the problem. And when you can be on the same team, something beautiful will happen. And that's why God says right in the beginning, in the template of marriage, he says, don't let anything separate you. Not a fight, not Netflix, nothing. Don't let anything separate you. And you are going to have to fight to stay one. So I'm going to challenge you practically. Fight the problem, not each other. Take time to pray in the middle of a fight. It's going to be so awkward. Get a counselor. Get a third party involved in your fights. Don't name call one another. Don't interrupt them. Listen, don't interrupt me. <laughs> I love it when kids are in church. Can I get a good amen? I really do. Stick to one issue. Hey, I feel like you're really being mean. Well, you were late last week. No, stop it. Stop it. Stick to one issue. Don't retaliate with defensiveness. Hey, I really feel like you have bad breath. You have bad breath. That's an eye for an eye mentality. We don't do that. For the sake of your pastors, in the middle of a fight, don't quote a sermon in the middle of your fight. I just don't want those emails. I don't know if you guys want those emails. Don't quote your pastors in the middle of a fight. <laughs> Paraphrase if you're going to do it. This is a weird piece of advice. We live in a society of political echo chambers. Do you guys know that? This nation is divided. I want to challenge you. Get in the same echo chamber. If you're going to listen to news, listen to the same news sources at the same time so you're not political rivals. Get in the same echo chambers. And be kind to one another. You know, kindness with our relationship with God leads us to repentance, not the other way around. Sometimes we'll say, we'll be kind if you repent. But that's not what God did. Proverbs 10 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Ephesians 4 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I want to challenge you. Do not pay evil for evil. Do not ask for an eye for an eye. When your spouse, your partner spews venom at you, don't return venom. And this is what Jesus did on the cross, didn't he? The scripture says that Jesus, when he was tortured, beaten, abused, when he was put on the cross, he was like a sheep, silent before the slaughter. Have you ever read that? When all of humanity was rearing its ugly head of violence, what did Jesus do? He was silent like a lamb before the slaughter. While we were still enemies with Christ, he loved us. And it was that kind of kindness that drew each and every one of us to repentance. 
You know, I, I was reading this article the other day, and I want to show you this picture of a sheep. It says this, sheep's blood provides rattlesnake anti-venom. There was the shepherd who found one of his animals that had just been bitten by a snake on the face. The face began to swell up because it was filled with poison. He thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to save this animal? It's going to die. But the sheep didn't seem too worried. And it just went through its regular routine. It didn't go after the snake. It didn't try to create its own venom. It was just a sheep doing sheep things. But then after a few days, naturally, the face began to be healthy and go back to normal size. That's because scientists are discovering that the blood of sheep naturally has anti-venom properties. I want you to check that out. It didn't have to become like the snake to heal. It didn't have to become like the snake to have a better future. It just had to be like the lamb it was. You're going to get in fights. You don't have to be a snake to get even, to make them feel the same pain that you felt, to get back at them. No, that's not what we do as followers of Jesus. We're not called to be skunks or turtles or snakes, but to be like the Lamb of God who gave up his life, laid down his life for his bride and reconciled humanity to himself. And that is the power of the gospel in our marriages, in our relationships, that we just need to ask and invite God that his blood would replace our venom instincts where we think we have to hurt and abuse and return an eye for an eye and, and tear people down. We would just say, hey, I had the lamb's blood of life coursing through my veins. And I know you've said words that have hurt me, but I don't believe God's done with our relationship. He ain't done yet. I believe God has a plan for our love and I'm not gonna let anything separate us. Some of you right now are dealing with some conflicts in your marriage. You've been having the same argument in your dating relationship with your fiance in a friendship. You're not knowing exactly what to do. But I want to say the power to heal the relationship is through the blood of the lamb. And he's asking you, will you take the initiative in healing this relationship? Before we go into worship, would you just make it a priority right now to say, I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to have a hard conversation. I'm going to get face to face with the person I love. It's not me against you. It's us against the problem. I'm not trying to win an argument because how can I win when the one that I love loses? Because that's not how it works. And I believe that God can bring healing and hope for your relationship. You know, Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden. Eden is another word of saying delight or pleasure. God created marriage in pleasure. God created for you to have delight. And even in my marriage, it's been so hard. We're in, we're in therapy and we get in fights. And I've, I've hurt my wife so much. She's hurt me so much. But we just say, honey, we're gonna invite Jesus into this relationship to replace the venom with anti-venom properties. That God has a plan for us and we are better together. And so I'm looking at you, honey. I'm gonna fight for this marriage. If you're in a relationship with, right, with someone in this room right now, would you just stand up?
Would you just, if the person's in this room right now, would you just hold their hand? If, they're, if you're not next to them, would you just go to them? And if your person's not in this room, that's okay. We're just going to pray. I just Would you just squeeze their hand? And would you just look, look at them in the eyes right now? God's not done with us. I want the best for you. Just tell them that and mean it. I, I want the Lamb's blood of life to course through our relationship. I love you. If you're saying I love you. <laughs> if you're freshly dating, easy there. Easy there. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for what you're doing in this room, and I pray that you just help us to connect. For the, the people we love that are in this room, the people that we love who are not in this room, Lord, I pray that you would help us to replace venom with lamb's blood. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have godly confrontations. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand ourselves and that you would reveal to us first, Holy Spirit, if there's any wicked way in our hearts that we wouldn't spend most of our time attacking the other, but working on ourselves. Oh God, would you help us? Oh God, would you help us in our relationships? Oh God, would you turn this conflict into a growing opportunity where we would see the goodness of God? Holy Spirit, would you supernaturally bring a peace that surpasses understanding? Lord, would you heal these relationships right now with the ministry of reconciliation. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can you give Jesus a round of applause? You know, I, I realize God's doing something here and, you know, your marriage isn't completely healed yet. You got a lot of work to do. He's healing you now, but there's more healing to come. And I just want to encourage you, have the hard conversations. Get some counseling. Work on your marriage. Because when you fight for your marriage, God fights with you. You're not alone in this battle. You're not alone in this battle. And before I transition, I want to give the opportunity for anybody here who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. So why don't you all take your seats and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. But if you're here in this place and you're saying, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want his blood to flow through my life. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive a fresh start. I want Jesus. If that's you, whether for the first time or as a recommitment, we're going to make this a private, holy moment. I realize many of us came to church specifically for this moment. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that. But if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you include me in that prayer of salvation? On the count of three, would you lift up your hand? I'm gonna, I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Amen, amen, amen. I see three hands, four hands, five hands, six, seven, eight hands, nine hands. Is there anybody else? Ten hands. Amen, I see your hands. Anybody else? Raise this so I can see. I'm making eye contact with you if you raise your hands. Eleven hands. Amen, amen, I see you. Thank you. I see 11 hands in the air. And so why don't we pray this all together? Let's just cry out to Jesus to save us. Dear Jesus, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, 
out loud. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Thank you for loving me. I want to love you too. I surrender my life to you. Would you give me new life? Would you give me a new mind? Would you change my heart? Would you help me to follow you all the days of my life? Jesus, you are my Lord. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for salvation, life transformation? I saw about 11 people raise their hands for salvation. Amen. Amen. Well, what an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, pastors, for having me. This church is amazing. I'm so proud of the move of God here. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for all the awkward conversations that are about to happen after this service. Who here is about to have a confrontation? Let me see your hands, honestly. Who here is going to have a confrontation? Don't lie. Okay. I see you. I see you. Good. Mission accomplished. Amen. <laughs> and amen. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.